Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. It does show the sort of strain that the market is under this winter. It's very rare to hear the chief economist of the Bank of England being so frank about Brexit. I think that what's more problematic for policy in the UK is following these basics uh, so that people make decisions on the basis of uh, the full picture. Stephen, I would like to have a small rant. Oh, just a small one. That's a relief. You're listening to Bloomberg UK Politics. I'm Ewan Potts. And I'm Caroline Hepke. I'm Stephen Carroll. Today, we're bringing you highlights of Jeremy Hunt's first budget speech, plus the response from Labour leader Keir Starmer. Also, analysis of the measures announced and what they mean for the UK economy. First, though, let's hear from the man himself, the Chancellor, Jeremy Hunt. Madam Deputy Speaker, in the face of enormous challenges, I report today on a British economy which is proving the doubters wrong. In the autumn, we took difficult decisions to deliver stability and sound money. Since mid-October, 10-year gilt rates have fallen, debt servicing costs are down, mortgage rates are lower and inflation has peaked. The International Monetary Fund says our approach means the UK economy is on the right track. But we remain vigilant and will not hesitate to take whatever steps are necessary for economic stability. Today, the Office for Budget Responsibility forecasts that because of changing international factors and the measures I take, the UK will not now enter a technical recession this year. We will meet the Prime Minister's priorities to halve inflation, reduce debt and get the economy growing. We are following the plan and the plan is working. But that's not all we've done. In the face of a cost of living crisis, we have demonstrated our values by protecting struggling families with a £2,500 energy price guarantee, one-off support and the uprating of benefits with inflation. Taken together, these measures are worth £94 billion over this year and next, one of the largest support packages in Europe. That averages, Madam Deputy Speaker, over £3,300 of cost-of-living help for every household in the country. Today, we deliver the next part of our plan, a budget for growth. Not just the growth that comes when you emerge from a downturn, but long-term, sustainable, healthy growth that pays for our NHS and schools, finds jobs for young people and provides a safety net for older people, all whilst making our country one of the most prosperous in the world. Prosperity with a purpose, and that is why growth is one of the Prime Minister's five priorities for our country. I deliver that today by removing obstacles that stop businesses investing, 
by tackling labour shortages that stop them recruiting, by breaking down barriers that stop people working, and by harnessing British ingenuity to make us a science and technology superpower. Today's childcare reforms will increase the availability of childcare, reduce costs and increase the number of parents able to use it. Taken together with earlier Conservative reforms, they amount to the most significant improvements to childcare provision in a decade. But if we really want to remove the barriers to work, we need to go further for parents who have a child under three. For them, childcare remains just too expensive. In 2010, there was barely any free childcare for under fives. A Conservative-led government changed that with free childcare for three- and four-year-olds in England. It was a landmark reform, but not a complete one. I don't want any parent with a child under five to be prevented from working if they want to, because it's damaging to our economy and unfair mainly to women. So today I announce that in eligible households where all adults are working at least 16 hours, we will introduce 30 hours of free childcare, not just for three- and four-year-olds, but for every single child over the age of nine months. The 30-hour offer will now start from the moment maternity or paternity leave ends. It's a package worth, on average, £6,500 every year for a family with a two-year-old child using 35 hours of childcare every week and reduces their childcare costs by nearly 60%. Because it is such a large reform, we will introduce it in stages to ensure there is enough supply in the market. Working parents of two-year-olds will be able to access 15 hours of free care from April 2024, helping around half a million parents. From September 24, that 15 hours will be extended to all children from nine months up, meaning a total of nearly one million parents will be eligible. And from September 25, every single working parent of under fives will have access to 30 hours free childcare per week. Madam Deputy Speaker. Mr Perkins, stop it. Madam Deputy Speaker, today we complete a landmark Conservative reform. We help the economy transform the lives of thousands of women and build a childcare system comparable to the best. A major early years reform for our education system, the E of education alongside the three other pillars of our growth plan, enterprise, employment and everywhere. So, Madam Deputy Speaker, in November we delivered stability. Today it's growth. We tackle the two biggest barriers that stop businesses growing, investment incentives and labour supply. The best investment incentives in Europe, the biggest ever employment package, for disabled people more help, for older people barriers removed, for families feeling the pinch, fuel duty frozen, beer duty cut, energy bills capped, and for parents 30 hours of free childcare for all under fives. Today we build for the future, with inflation down, debt falling and growth up. The declinists are wrong and the optimists are right. To the plan because the plan is working, and I commend this statement to the House. 
So there we have it. The Chancellor of the Exchequer, Jeremy Hunt, delivering his budget speech 2023. So the key measures, I think, are worth going over. It was quite a long speech that he made, more than an hour. So peak inflation has passed in Britain. The UK won't enter a technical recession this year. This line caught my eye. The British economy is proving the doubters wrong. So in terms of each of the measures, the energy price guarantee we're expecting, he announced that. Maintaining the fuel duty, the 5p cut, got that. Big boost to defence spending. Backing of nuclear power, I thought was quite interesting. Also, in terms of company investments, they'll be able to fully deduct uh, their investments as an expense. So that's quite interesting for businesses. But then in terms of the people, over 50s will get a new type of apprenticeship. There'll be uh, the abolishing of the lifetime allowance on pension savings. And then a whole string at the end, the cherry on the cake, I suppose, a number of childcare measures. So increasing funding to nurseries. Uh, the for the so-called free hours that under fours get, but paying the childcare costs up front for parents, that will be noticed, and an increase in wraparound care, though not till September 2026, but still quite a big measure that we can talk about. More eclectic potholes, swimming pools, Brexit pubs, and then lots of big pushback from Labour. What did you make? Yeah, lots of interesting stuff on uh, business tax. Uh, I thought this is something he really had to address, didn't he? Because we've got the super deductions coming to an end. We've got the massive hike in corporation tax. This is really not something that business was happy with. And the backbench is not happy with either. And he did uh, roll out quite a, uh, quite a nice thing on that, saying that uh, investments uh, can be d- deducted against tax for at least the next three years. So that was quite a big stop uh, on that front. I mean, the surprise, if there was one, was the lifetime allowance. We thought it was going to be lift, uh, increased. It was actually abolished entirely, which means that, uh, according to Jeremy Hunt anyway, it will stop over 80% of NHS doctors reaching uh, tax charge level. Although our report is pointing out this is a big giveaway to a core Tory constituency under the guise of a reform to stop doctors leaving work early. But it does mean it will reduce uh, the tax on people drawing down their pension once it goes over that level of where it's currently set at £1.07 million. Yeah, I think it's worth remembering that this is a quite an expensive tax cut and the tax cut which will go to people who have a lot of money already. Uh, nobody putting uh, £40,000 a year into their pensions is anything other than pretty comfortably off. But yeah, the hope is that it will help with the NHS. Let's Here listen to the response Keir Starmer. from Keir Starmer. Can I say it's good to see you back in the chair? Yeah. Looking so for all the hype, a budget for growth that downgrades the growth forecast. His opening boast was that things aren't quite as bad now as they were in October last year after the kamikaze budget. And the more that he pretends everything is fine, the more he shows just how out of touch they are. After 13 years of his government, our economy needed major surgery. But like millions across our country, this budget leaves us stuck in the waiting room with only a sticking plaster to hand. A country set on a path of managed decline, falling behind our competitors, the sick man of Europe once again. This was a day for ambition, for bringing us together with purpose and intent, for unlocking the pride that is in every community, matching their belief in the possibilities of the future. But, Madam Deputy Speaker, after today, we know the Tory cupboard is as bare as the salad aisle in our supermarket. 
The lettuces may be out, but the turnips are in. <laughs> a hopelessly divided party caught between a rock of decline and a hard place of their own economic recklessness, dressing up stagnation as stability as their expiry date looms ever closer. And the figures published today spell it out. A year of stagnation, growth non-existent, according to the IMF, the worst performing country in the G7 this year, a prediction today confirmed by the OBR, and growth downgraded in years to come. This is a failure you can measure not just in the figures, but in the empty pockets of working people right across the country. 13 years without wage growth, 13 years no better off, 13 years stuck in a doom loop of lower growth, higher taxes and broken public services. Deputy Madam Speaker, our OBR makes clear today things don't look any better in the long run. A broken labour market holding back our prospects. Seven million on the NHS waiting lists. Ill health and disability on the rise. And the consequences, as we've just heard, deferred to the future. The classic short-term sticking plaster cycle. Decisions cynically ducked today. Pain for working people tomorrow. It doesn't have to be like this. Britain has enormous potential. On science, innovation, technology, we should be leading, not lagging. We need an industrial strategy that removes barriers to investment. And the announcements today are nowhere near the mark. The lowest investment in the G7. That's their record. All our competitors know this. They're gearing up for an almighty race for the opportunities of tomorrow. And we've got to be on the start line, not back in the changing room, tying our laces. Now, he mentioned the war in Ukraine. And of course, on this side of the House, we stand with Ukraine and we stand with the government's response to Putin's brutality. We'll look carefully at the details of the military spending announced and we will support them. But what we cannot accept is the use of the war as a blanket excuse for failure. Our economy has weak foundation. Global crises hit Britain more than other countries. Wages in this country are lower now in real terms than they were 13 years ago. The average French family is a tenth richer. The average German family a fifth richer. Countries which face the same pandemic, countries which face the same war. And the war didn't ban onshore wind. The war didn't scrap our home insulation scheme. The war didn't run down our gas storage facilities. They did. Decisions which hurt working people battling the cost of living crisis right now. It's been the same story for the whole 13 years. Always the sticking plaster, never the cure. And today's budget does nothing to change that. That was the Labour leader, Keir Starmer, responding to the budget speech from Jeremy Hunt that we heard a little bit earlier. 
keen to pick up on the points of those policies that he saw as being Labour ideas stolen by the Conservatives as well. But let's review some of the things that we have heard from the Chancellor today, particularly in reference to the economy and what the picture is going forward for the UK economy. So, avoiding a technical recession, that was the first major headline that we had out of this. The UK economy seen as shrinking by 0.2% this year. These are the new forecasts, updated forecasts from the Office for Budget Responsibility uh, and then the revision too of the growth picture for next year uh, as well with growth expected now uh, of... Do you have that figure? Uh, yeah, 1.8% <laughs> next year. There you are. Yeah, uh, and the UK GDP will shrink this year, but two tenths of 1% for 2023. So the previous expectation had been for a much bigger decline of 1.4%. Look, I think that this is exactly really what the government wanted to deliver. Jeremy Hunt had to deliver something stable, something competent, something actually that didn't really have that many surprises in it. Yeah, I think that is certainly the case. Uh, on debt, they said the plan is to get debt falling as a percentage of GDP by 2027. That is still on track. That is a key target, of course. Underlying debt will be 3%, uh, underlying debt will be 3% of GDP lower in five years' time. Uh, that is much better than the forecast in autumn. And only borrowing for capital spending over the period. So this is uh, stable stuff when it comes to the economic picture. And any rabbits out of the hat? Not really. We had some, we had some sort of rabbits which were pre-announced, didn't we? Uh, the childcare stuff. I don't know what you make of that, uh, uh, Caroline. And lots of stuff on business taxation. Uh, interesting on that as well. I think the pensions, uh, the lifetime allowance being abolished, I think was the, the rabbit that had peaked its mm. way out of the hat, but didn't come fully out of the hat <laughs> yes. until during this speech. Um, I do think that the inactivity, yeah, when it, well, I've broken it up really into three categories, right? It's about business, it's about people, and it's about energy. And so I think if you think about the people element of it, the over 50s apprenticeship, I thought was kind of extraordinary. And our, one of our own um, Bloomberg opinion columnists has been uh, talking about this this morning, saying, you know, how is a uh, returnership, which is mm-hmm. what the chances said it was going to be really going to work. So yes, abolishing the allowance on pension savings, um, and also increasing the tax-free allowance to 60,000. The childcare issue, also people increasing funding to nurseries for the free hours, paying the upfront costs, adding to wraparound care. But the thing about the people side of it that was not really mentioned very much is the fact that there are tens of thousands of workers on strike uh, today. And, and that is the kind of backdrop. Most of the London Underground is shut. You've got junior doctors who are striking. And so there wasn't very much in terms of pay. So that, I would say, is, is people. You sort of mentioned, I think, the business aspect we've still got um, the corporation tax going up to 25% so there's no change there the energy issue I think was also quite interesting around the energy price guarantee that remains another three months. On the issue of the the pay talks mm. I, I mean this idea now that the inflation is expected to fall by 2.9% by the end of 2023 that's going to be a big subject playing into those pay talks that are ongoing as well certainly in the public sector when it comes uh, to healthcare workers. On the energy front I did want to pick up on this uh, idea of boosting nuclear power the creation of a great British nuclear to provide a quarter of all electricity by 2050. Mm. Um, that's something that our reporter Alan Milligan has pointed out is going to disappoint the industry with announcing that it has been touted for months, the first competition for small nuclear reactors t- to be competed by the end of this week. But the government falling short on what the industry wanted, which was a more firm funding commitment. It's also worth pointing out these small nuclear reactors, this is something that France started two years ago putting government money into, still hasn't yielded mm. any results. These things take a long time to develop. It, it does feel like these nuclear announcements come thick and fast. I feel like there's something I mentioned on nuclear every single budget and have been 
for years. And this is both parties have kind of fa- failed on this front. Uh, this target of a quarter of power by 2050, we always used to generate a quarter of our power uh, from nuclear over, over for many, many years. So that's just getting back to... Uh, where well, we, it was where because we of the shutdown of so many of, um, or the kind of end of the lifespan of so many nuclear mm. power plants and in we the UK. Them. Yes, exactly, and that was again a kind of issue of previous governments. Look, I do think that the other thing to mention is is Keir Starmer's response. You know, he talked about the, a government of gimmicks, which I thought was quite, um, you know, a catchy phrase. That Britain is worse off under the Conservatives, and I just do think that that is worth underlining. I think it's the cost of a living crisis that is has the attention of voters. You know, the inflation problem in Britain um, is eating away at people's uh, real income. So the OECD says that UK inflation adjusted pay is lagging behind the other big European countries, France and Germany. Um, and also that there's this widening gap between rich and poor. And I think the whole issue of over 50s and of the childcare issue is about that kind of widening of um, the gap between rich and poor. That's why you have so many people out on strike. Yeah, Starmer saying that we're the, the sick man of Europe once again. I noticed he used that phrase not mm. once but twice, the sticking plaster, sticking plaster politics. And I think this is something that Labour is going to be trotting out increasingly as, as we move towards the election. Also, so there were four, five really rowdy moments in this budget Um from the Labour benches, um, sort of against Jeremy Hunt. And one of it was when he, early on, when he talked about the UK avoiding a technical recession, there's quite a big murmur. But then also when he used this phrase, 13 years ago, we inherited an economy that had crashed. So talking about the handover of power from the Labour Party to the Conservative Party, that got, you know, um, hoots and shouts really from, from the Labour Party. They... And this, I think, is where perhaps the tide has turned a little bit. The Labour Party is going very hard on rejecting the blame, you know, from so long ago, saying that, you know, the toys have been a power long enough. Let's go to Westminster and get the reaction of our UK correspondent, Lizzie Burden, who's been listening in. Lizzie, what, what are your big thoughts about what we heard from the Chancellor and the Leader of the Opposition? Well, I agree. I didn't really hear any rabbits. I have to say, where I'm sat, uh, the Treasury Minister, James Castleage, is only a few metres away, so I wonder whether he's listening. Uh, however, um, this is it was very much presented as a growth budget. What I heard, Caroline, the way I would have just, just divided it up was into the investment incentives and then um, all the measures to try to get people back to work. Mm. Um, and the big headlines were on pensions, abolishing the lifetime allowance. That's was more generous than was expected and then on childcare that's 33 hours uh, for uh, kids over nine months um, but on that one um, it was interesting to hear that it's going to be introduced in stages so only completely by September 2025 um, and so you, you might think that's something of an incentive to try to keep the Conservatives in power but really stealing Labour's clothes there um, uh, taking their attack line off the opposition party mm-hmm. uh, and making childcare front and centre. Um, it was interesting to listen to the opposition leaders' um, response. Um, because, given that uh, the government had adopted so many of the policies that Labour was promoting, instead he had to focus on the Conservatives' record over the past 13 years. Um, but you know, economists disagree over how much. Uh, Britain's fate economically has been self-inflicted. You've had the global financial crisis, austerity, Brexit, the energy shock, and Mm. you can debate the degree to which those factors uh, weigh uh, are the most important. 
I also thought it was very interesting that the Chancellor made reference to his speech right here where we're sitting in Bloomberg headquarters in London, uh, the speech that he made only a few uh, weeks ago, um, which was all about these four E's, a kind of industrial policy. He kind of picked up on part of that theme throughout um, the, the budget this time around. I mean... Is it enough, I suppose? Is there enough in this budget? What was what was the drive of it? We can, to some extent, talk about it as, as a growth budget, but also how much of it was simply a kind of stability budget? Yeah, well, this was Keir Starmer's argument, wasn't it? Because he said it's a budget for growth, and yet the growth forecast has been downgraded. Yes, the UK is going to swerve a technical recession, according to the Office of Budget Responsibility. It's still going to contract, and that's why his narrative was about managed decline, as Ewan mentioned, Britain being the sick man of Europe. Um, It was interesting that uh, the measures for the city are going to be held back until the autumn statement Mm -hmm. in response to the US Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, It's pretty disappointing for the city that it's going to have to wait all that time, given, as you well know, Caroline, from all your great reporting recently, uh, you know, ARM has already chosen to list in the US, how many others will follow um, between now and the autumn. I thought very interesting how there was absolutely no mention of the tax thresholds. This, of course, is a massive tax increase coming down the line with inflation at 10%. The tax thresholds aren't been moving. So we're all being dragged into higher uh, tax bans. Really, uh, Lizzie, little mention of uh, the tax side of the equation uh, and the tax burden rising at the moment. Yeah, well, as as you know, Britain having the uh, highest tax burden in the post-war period. Um, it, it is a difficult position for Jeremy Hunt. He didn't have a lot of room here. Um, but you know, as he mentioned, and he really tried to um, stress this at the beginning of the of the speech, it is a difficult period. You, you can't deny that uh, you know, we have been through a pandemic. We, there is a war in Ukraine. Um, and there is a, lot, there's a long, long list. He mentioned every MP, every minister who was asking him for something. You know, and there have been disappointments around the board. For example, on defence spending, yes, he's given £5 billion, um, but it's half of what uh, Ben Wallace had wanted, the defence secretary. And the target of defence spending reaching 2.5% of GDP isn't the 3% that Wallace had asked for. Uh, so okay. you know, it's, it's a balance. It's a difficult moment. Lizzie Burden, our UK correspondent and co-anchor of Bloomberg UK Politics. Thanks so much for joining us from Westminster. Well, that's it from us for today for this special edition of Bloomberg UK Politics. If you like the programme, don't forget to subscribe. Give it five stars so that other people can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen. This episode was produced by James Wilcock and Marufa Hussain was our audio engineer. I'm Ewan Potts. I'm Stephen Carroll. And I'm Caroline Hepke. Special thanks also to David Merritt and our field producer, Louise Moo. We'll be back with more tomorrow. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg UK Politics. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.